Welcome back to another special summer episode of Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and this podcast is my way of sharing composing and songwriting advice from all sorts of creative people. And every once in a while, we share some music business tips, too. This episode is a talk by entertainment lawyers Ken Abdo and Dan Satorius about how music deals work in film and television. Maybe you've already been approached by someone who wants to use your song in their movie, or they want you to compose for their film. Well, in this talk, Ken and Dan explain what you should and shouldn't do when you're negotiating with filmmakers. I posted a summary of the main terms they talk about and some of their main tips at composerquest.com slash filmdeals, all one word. Thanks to Ellen Stanley and the Minnesota Music Coalition for hosting this talk. As I've told you before, they have great talks here in the Twin Cities about the music business. So make sure to visit mnmusiccoalition.org to stay in the loop. One piece of news before we get into the episode. We have our live film score event coming up on August 14th, 7 p.m. at the Landmark Center here in Minnesota. We had almost 20 submissions of films and scores, which our ComposerQuest Orchestra is going to play live along with the films at the screening. If you're not in Minnesota but still want to tune in, we'll have a live stream of the event at ComposerQuest.com. Again, that's 7 p.m. Central Time, August 14th, at the Landmark Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hope to see you there. As usual, you can find all the ComposerQuest episodes for free at ComposerQuest.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can also connect with me by emailing me, charlie at ComposerQuest.com, or finding ComposerQuest on Facebook or Twitter. If you've been listening to ComposerQuest and want to help support me to keep it going, visit Patreon.com charlie, and there you can become an official patron of ComposerQuest. Thanks for considering it. Now let's get to this talk with Dan Satorius and Ken Abdel. And we'll start with Ken explaining how the entertainment industry has been evolving over the past few years. Really, we're seeing in the last probably five years, we've really seen an appreciable change in the way that music deals are structured, even at the major recording level, not to mention we've had a giant consolidation of the record companies, even though they still control the majors, about 80% of the, of the distributed music worldwide, which seems like a lot, like given all the indie scenes, but think about it, you know, 80% worldwide are, are really distributed by the three biggies right now, right? Sony and <clears throat> combined with uh, BMG, so the Japanese and Germans got back together again. And, uh, oh, he's a good team. It's also, and, then, <laughs> and then, I wouldn't bet him on in the long run, but then, then you have uh, uh, Universal, which is a French company, and um, the third one, Warner Brothers, which is an American company, but is actually spun off, so it's a private group, really. Uh, and they control not 80% of the, of the distributed music worldwide. So the indies, all the indies, including your, your artist-owned record companies, are the remaining 20. Now, it used to be 90. Yeah, you know, it's, so it's, it's actually better than it used to be. It's going, yeah. Now, we've decidedly moved from um, a purchase-to-own music model, like many of us grew up buying music, to own it, whether it was vinyl or any other mechanical uh, form, physical product they're called now, and even downloads. That's buying to own it. Gone. That model is definitely gone. And uh, we are moving firmly into a 
paying to use, subscribe, rent, you know, streaming. Like, like a utility. Yeah, so like a utility. Basically utilities, and entertainment the, utility. And that's a good way of putting it because music is in many ways as ubiquitous as water. I mean, it's all over the place and it's being used like never before, but it's, uh, it's not being paid as much. So that basic change is, uh, is upon us and is a part of your architecture going forward. The other thing in music, and Dan will speak to some film as well, is that um, there's been a number of inversions, total inversions. One of the inversions is that the A&R community, you might recall, used to be the talent scouts. So they'd go out and find artists in Minneapolis and, 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 and points beyond. And there would be impresarios, guys like Ahmet Erdogan and others that would, you know, really were producers that would identify artists or Clive Davis or whatnot, bring them in, nurture them, introduce them, you know, put artists in repertoire, A&R, the artists with songs, uh, less so with rock artists, but traditionally artists with songs, A&R, um, but develop them and because those big companies also controlled the, me the means of recording. It was hard to, you know, you couldn't really make a record unless you had a record deal. I mean, it was expensive and, you know, vinyl was, was uh, difficult and expensive to press and the distribution, you know, the accompanying distribution companies, you know, Sony has a recording company, Sony has a distribution company, Universal, all the majors, you know, had their uh, sister or brother um, distribution company. They controlled where things got distributed. So it was very easy for the companies to control where um, music went. And the tastes were largely dictated from the top down, you know, where you'd have the impresarios making the decisions and who's going to be huge. Uh, changed, inverted. Now the, the A&R community is really the fans, online, finding all kinds of whatever they find and hit it and hit it and hit it and viral, viral, and that's where Bieber and many other artists, even more so today, are discovered. So the A&R community becomes really researchers. They just find the talent and, uh, and report what's going on, where the balls are rolling, if you will. Um, so that's kind of one of the inversions, and I don't want to talk too long about music because we're going to get into how music meets film, but you know, this is the general landscape of what, what's going on out there, which gives opportunity to artists such as yourselves um, because now there's access um, to making your own music, of course you know that, and distributing it, of course you know that, and to finding places to license it and you're going to know more about that. Okay, so we're here to talk about music in film, okay, which is a multi-faceted topic. Um, we're going to focus a lot on the licensing part, uh, but let me just kind of break it down kind of generally where we're going. So we're going to, we're going to talk about licensing existing music in films. So, uh, so a filmmaker finds a song already recorded, whatever, wants to put it in their film. That's one. Two, we're going to talk about composing for film. Um, and three, um, suddenly I'm blanking well, we'll, out Well, here. we'll talk about the terms of the, of the deals. We'll talk about terms of the deals. Um, well, I'll remember it in a second. And we'll talk about, no doubt, a hell of a lot more. A hell so. of a lot more. So we should, we should lay the, the, the field and, and, and start with the, the kind of... You know the fundamentals, the kind of the heavy lifting to begin with, and and that starts every because everything flows from the copyright. So we're going to talk a little bit about copyright. Make sure we understand you know the the terms that we're going to deal with, and uh, really there for our purposes today, there's two types of copyrights. 
that go into music and film. Now, a lot of you know this, but for those of you who don't, two, the two copyrights are the copyright in the sound recording and the copyright in the composition. So those are two separate pieces of copyright, often owned by different parties. So the composition, often owned by uh, music publishing companies, and the uh, sound recording, what we call the master, is uh, owned by, oftentimes, record companies. Um, and and in, in film, we have to deal with both of them because when you listen to it in the soundtrack, somebody wrote it and somebody performed it and it got recorded and that's, how, that's why you're able to hear it. So intervening throughout this is um, <clears throat> the idea of, as Dan mentioned, third-party companies, okay? a publishing company or a recording company. What the artist does, because the artist, the author, is the, the owner of the copyright. I'm a songwriter. I wrote the damn song. I own the copyright in the music composition. All right? I'm a performer. We're a band. Dan, I got a song. Let's play it and record it. We play it together. We record it. There's a master. Okay? Now, who owns the, the publishing side, the songwriting side? Always the author. But to get anywhere in this world, you can be a brilliant, bespeckled, you know, chain-smoking, uh, beanied songwriter, and who cares? You know, who's going to hear your songs? So uh, there are companies that intervene. They're publishing companies. Generally, we call them publishing companies. And you assign all or a portion of the copyright in the song to this company so they can go out and exploit it. And exploitation, as the students know, in music is a beautiful thing. It's not like civil rights law. You know, it's, you want to find commercial exploitations for, for your song. Same on the master side. You record it, but if there's no distribution or a way to promote it or market it, especially in the old days, less now, who's going to hear it? Okay? So these rights get assigned the copyright in the sound recording, okay, the master, and the other side gets assigned to in whole or in part and usually in whole or at least licensed exclusively to a record company. So these become the entities who are doing the negotiating for the licenses subject to your royalty under your recording agreement or your publishing agreement, respectively. If there aren't these companies, then they're dealing with you directly. But if there are these companies, which sometimes you like because they're also pitching songs, um, theoretically, then, theoretically then, then, uh, then they get a part of the action too. So we're probably, just with that distinction, whoever owns the copyright is the one that is getting is doing the negotiating that we're going to be talking about. Right. So, so there's some terms we, we need to get on the table. So for the, for the music publishing side, the name of the license that the, the publishers that Ken just talked about uh, uh, use to grant publishing rights in the, in the composition to the filmmakers is called a synchronization license or just sync, sync rights. Because um, it's the use of music in, in synchronization with the visual image. With moving images. And that's a specific right under the Copyright Act. S-Y-N-C, not S-I-N-K. Very good Some of uh, us don't spell well. I mean, okay. All right. All right, so, so <laughs> then um, there's also uh, uh, performing rights. So that's another exclusive right that a copyright holder in a composition has in, uh, you know, under the Copyright Act. So 
Uh, that also goes into those licenses. And then, then, of course, we have the master use license, which I just described. You know, the term for that license is master use license. Okay, so Dan introduced another very important concept, and that's the performance right, okay? So that's the public performance. So song is written. That's the, um, that's the, the publishing side. That's the synchronization, right? There's, that's recorded, that ma master that recording, which is used in synchronization with the visual image image is called a master use license and then the public performance is putting it out there having it broadcast over media that gives rise to the writers of the music just to the writers of the music for purposes of what we're talking about um, uh, for, for, for syncs it gives rise to yet another income stream so if you're a member and the people that that monitor the public performance the organizations are like ASCAP, BMI and CSAC so they're the ones that are, need to find out where this movie is being aired or TV show where there is a public performance of it because um, that gives rise to another stream of income for the writers. Yes? So these all three are under the composition? No. no. Under the composition. The first two are. The first okay. two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If, if it, just again, fundamentally, we won't dwell on it. If you're a songwriter, there's four basic sources of revenue for the song. Okay, on the songwriter. Four. Okay? One is synchronizations, okay? what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about today, that when, one when your, thing. When your song shows up in a film, TV show, commercial, that's synchronized. And that's what we're talking about today, only. Second would be the mechanical license. So if a recording is made and you, a CD is sold, then the songwriters get paid because that mechanical thing you're putting into a mechanical machine generates another income stream. The third would be print. Or folio, okay? Printed music gives rise. That's your song. It's on notes now, and there are the lyrics. Which we're not worried about today. We're not talking about today. Okay? And the fourth would be performance, public performance. And the biggest. And often the biggest, right. And we are talking about that. We are talking of, about You that. know, today. Yep. Okay? Yep. So while we're on performance, uh, we have to, I just want to drill down a little bit uh, on this. So there's kind of two... Uh, or two or three exceptions to the performing rights issues. So, so one of them is that um, the first time uh, a live television show is, is aired, there's, you, you don't get royalties uh, for the sync, but you get royalties for the performance. So, so there you see uh, ASCAP or BMI picking up that performance, uh, but as a live show, the custom in the industry is it doesn't pick up a sink at that point. Um, so another another um, issue we want to uh, drill down on is that in in the United States, uh, the performing rights royalties are acquired uh, in the in the film contract between the the composer and the um, and the filmmaker, the producer, uh, for theaters. So. When you go into theaters around the country, uh, when you, you, know, you sit down in a seat, popcorn, see it on the big screen, that doesn't generate, in this country, does not generate performing rights royalties. Uh, it's just a quirk of the legal system. In other countries, it does. So if you go and you play your film in, in Europe or wherever, and it's performed in a theater, then that does earn you uh, ASCAP or BMI or probably not CSAC, but ASCAP, BMI, or whatever the equivalents are in, in those countries. All right, so, you know, there's the lay of the land. 
the song, the recording, now enter into someone who wants to use that song and that recording right. in a film. Right. Okay. Existing music. Existing music in a film. Music. So it's not, it's not commissioned right. for the film. Okay. You know, your song in, you know, whatever film. So, and, and maybe your master. Or maybe not. Maybe you just have, you perform and you've, you own the master. Maybe you wrote the song. Either way, there's two licenses going on. Okay. So right. I want to talk about um, uh, talk film. About, yeah, should we do film deals? Maybe uh, we can hit something juicy here. We can talk about fees. What you know? What 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 are what are the rates that are, are being paid for for sync license and uh, master use licenses in television, film, that sort of thing? And here's some funny little customs. Um, there's two licenses, right? Yep. So the custom is that the licenses cost the same. So if it's X dollars for the song then usually the master use will be, a license will be the same amount of money. They match, okay? And they call it like per side, you know? So if you do a license for $50,000, it's like 50,000 a side, or is it 50,000 for both sides, you know? And this is also the area of complete negotiation. There's no compulsory license, there's no set rate. It's all negotiated, okay? So you have to kind of know what you're talking about, otherwise you could undersell yourself or kill the deal by over asking too much at the same time. So how do you know, you know, how do you know? The only way you know is if you do these things and you got a good sense of it like Dan and I do, and that's probably the best way. The other thing you can do is just, just say, well, how much are you going to pay me? And they'll give you a number and you got to decide if that's acceptable or not. Yeah. Here's a, one tip real quick. Um, lots of times uh, uh, songwriters... Um, have co-written their compositions with other people. So I, we we have clients who, you know, I, you know, some clients who wrote a lot of songs with Prince. So what we do is we wait till Prince's publishing company does his deal, and then and and in our conversations with uh, with the, uh, the the film company or the the TV company, we just say we just want most favored nations, and usually it's not. They don't grouse. So that's a term. But we want to come back later, uh, after they've done their their deal with the large publishing company, so that we co-tell in on it. So you want to tell them about most favorite nations? Yep, that's a that's a good one. It's a very important one. You know, like business, they have ROI and all these you know weird little business uh, abbreviations that music and film have the same thing. So you know, we talk about we want uh, most favored nations, MFN. Uh, it, simply, it simply means that if I'm a writer, say Dan wrote, represents the alpha writer, okay, and I represent a smaller writer, and I'll say, hey, all I want is what the alpha guy got. You know, my little guy just wants it in percentage pro rata, whatever, the same deal. Most favored nation, a nation to be treated no less importantly. So uh, that's what that means. So sometimes you get it, and sometimes you don't, because, if, for example, if you're it's a song that uh, there are several songs in, in a movie, and one is written by a super famous person, and one is not a super famous person. You, you would you generally wouldn't say oh, we want our guy who's getting a break for their first movie, you know, as a writer to get MFN with some monster writer, you know. Uh, so 
Um, you ask for it when it's appropriate. And where it's appropriate is what Dan just said, when they're co-writers on a song, then usually the, the lesser writer will get what the alpha writer gets. Right, right. And, and as a consequence, usually when you're sitting down and carving up the rights, you know, yeah. who owns what percentage of the song, uh, this will sometimes get mentioned, which is, you know, the dominant one wants a little bigger share because you'll coattail in on things later. And so. sometimes you just go, okay, And you fine. just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fine. Whatever you um, say. But, um, but it's also, this all stresses the importance of being a writer. So when you are in a situation where you are writing, and often we are, people ask, well, what, what constitutes writing? I often just say, look, it comes down for sure to melody and lyric. Melody and lyric, you know? Unfortunately, not drumming. I was a drummer. No publishing. Then I became a guitar player. Publishing, because I started writing songs. But there's, um, you know, to be a part, even a sliver of any of those songs can, can make a big, big difference in the overall income for your career. So, when you, and there's another term, it's called being in the room. Being in the room. Now, I, generally, if you're in the room while a song is being written and you've been invited to be in the room, the, the idea is, even if you sat there and made uh, contributions and none of them were used, there would still be the in the room factor, which is, you know, you were there, you get a piece of it. And, but that's not always the case. You know, if you're an alpha writer and you're trying to find someone who can inspire you, and you or an alpha producer, or an alpha, yeah, or an alpha producer, and, and they're and you're trying to get something out of a, a writer, and they give you stuff and you don't use it, you might say, you know what, you were in the room, but ne ne poo poo, nothing for you. You know, that can happen too. Yeah. Um, do you do you ever run into issues um, defining a melody or like uh, what would constitute a melody, or is that usually pretty clear? Well. Uh, you know, it's usually pretty clear. I mean, I think it's difficult when you're talking about uh, electronica music, you know, EDM music. It's like, I don't know what the hell's going on, you know. But, but when there's a song, you know, when there's, you know, clearly a repeating verse or pre-chorus or chorus, I mean, bam, there it is, you know. And uh, uh, so usually it's not that difficult in classical songwriting, you know. Uh, same, with, same with lyric, you know. It's... Uh, it, usually it's pretty clear those are the words and you know I, I thought of that word and if it's a conjunction I did that ah or, or you know it's not going to get you very far but you know it, it can for, uh, for bigger stanzas so um, so there's that yep so okay so television you know it you know there's a lot of factors in, in, uh, in both film and television as to what the pieces you know what you how you price these things and as Ken said there's no pre prescribed rates Customs, but not pre-set uh, pre rates. So, um, and I'll, 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 go, I'll jump into some of the factors here. We'll spend some time on because it's, it's important. Um, but for television, uh, the rates seem low. So it might be like uh, two or three hundred dollars to seven hundred dollars to place a, uh, a, a song or a portion of a song in a uh, commercial, uh, you know, broadcast cable sort of. Uh, 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 television show. The reason why it's, and I'll get to the film in a second, the reason why it's lower than film is because of this performing rights. So once it gets into the show, uh, you know, and it gets performed on television, then you get the, the ASCAP BMI performing royalties. So that does a lot to make up and sometimes goes much farther uh, than the royalties that you earn uh, just from the original licensing. Some, the performing rights royalties can be pretty uh, impressive. 
So for film, once again, it's all over the place. Independent film really can be very small to nothing. You know, I have a lot of small independent uh, filmmaker clients who, um, you know, they have friends who are in bands or, or they, you know, they, they find bands that, you know, want to be in film and they, you know, they're, they're willing to take, you know, zero to hundred, a few hundreds of dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever for, for the, just, just to get the uh, music out there in a film. There's a kind of a cachet, you know, there's some marketing value perhaps to that. Um, and and, and in, a, in feature films, the numbers can be uh, much more substantial. And they can be, you know, tens of thousands, not uncommon uh, for, a, you know, a, 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 a film that's released uh, by a studio to a hundred or more. You know, the Rolling Stones get huge numbers for, so their, for their... I brought some licenses, show and tell. Great. Well, so Great. Uh, I'm looking at licenses that we've done, and um, without uh, identifying the artists, um, these are all our clients, and we negotiated these deals because at the time we did this, these artists did not have publishing deals. They were self-published. So we, as their attorneys, did the, the negotiating. So, um, and it's, this is interesting. I, I didn't really realize this. So for Grey's Anatomy... This is just the, the sink, not the master, just the sink for Grey's Anatomy in 2006, 20 grand. Okay, and that's pretty much um, a buyout. And that's, that's really what's customary in many of these deals. Which yeah, so we should talk about. about a buyout. Well, I'll just so, go through the money first, just okay. to get it. Okay, so 20 grand, Grey's Anatomy. All right, here's uh, in 2006. 2007, here's another um, television. Uh, series uh, or show called A Side Order of Life. Um, our artist got 20 grand. Okay. Then here's another one. This is a, These are bigger numbers. Yeah. But these are buyouts. Buyouts. Yeah. No, no for the sync. For the sync license. One fee we get to use that song in this film yeah. and any advertisements forever. Okay. Right. Then um, here's another... No, 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 have, no, typically not Hell exclusive. No. You know, no. you, you want to let your song go all over hither and yon. There, sometimes yeah. there's holdbacks, but yeah. Here's a motion picture with screen gems called Takers. Um, so that was in uh, 2014, uh, $20,000. Pretty consistent. There's a theme here, yeah. I know. I mean, and these were random, you know. And uh, here's another one for um, the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Okay, one of our artists wrote a song that was in that, and the number is twenty-five thousand well, dollars. Okay, a little so, bigger franchise. So let's let's talk about um, about a buyouts. So so basically, pretty good money. Though, a right? copyright can be chopped up in in various ways. So you have a, a sync license, and you can grant, you know, you can grant the right to uh, to show the film, you know, one time, you know, on. You know, on broadcast television, or you can sh say anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world. So you can carve these things up by territory, by media. So it could be television only, all media, only online. All these things can be carved up. So a buyout means everything, and it also gets carved up by term. So a buyout would probably be a permanent buyout. Let me let me read it. Okay, licensed use, the non-exclusive right but not the obligation, you don't have to use it, 
to use, synchronize, and record the composition in all media now known or hereafter devised, excluding theatrical exhibition, uh, which you were talking about, right, we um, yeah. throughout the territory and in all in-context promotion and advertising in connection therewith. Okay, so you, you raised in-context. So w- w- this is something, it's not too obscure. It's, uh, so in-context or out-of-context. So in-context, this all has to do with marketing of the film. So when you market the film, you do trailers, you do excerpts, you do whatever, right? And it's a, di- it's a separate work. It's not the film. It's a derivative of the film. So you, you need to, as a film, filmmaker, you need to license the right to create uh, marketing materials that includes the music. And if it's in context, if you're just lifting the, se- the, the scene out of the film and running it in your trailer, that's in context. That's one level of payment. I mean, these things all get thrown in together. But th- there's a different value. It, it's valued differently. Right, so if it's just in context, you didn't like pull the music out and run it the entire length of your trailer. That's out of context. So you're using the music because it was the right music for the trailer. Maybe it's like thematic for your film. That's a more important use. So out of context, you know, everything being equal would have uh, an extra payment with right. it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, you'll see them like in trailers. They'll be, the music will be in a different scene, you know, or yeah, it wasn't there it in, in the original movie. film. Okay, you know, I also th- remember we're talking TV, and uh, in this instance anyway, and and it's, that's why I excluded from the rights the 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 um, theatrical. Uh, the, the, it's excluded our theatrical, and that theatrical is motion picture. That's movie houses. So in a television deal, the only thing when there's a, a full assignment, you know, a, a buyout, they are still excluding. The most these guys did. Yeah, yeah these, these guys did. And, and, and probably because and it would have been tone, a bigger number. And it's touch tone TV, so it's, yeah. a, it's a bigger outfit. Yeah. yeah. So if they like, choose to use your song in the trailer later on, is there a separate contract? Well, no. See, here, it, it, well, this one they would if they ran it throughout, if they played it out of context. But here they acquired in context, right? So there wouldn't be. You, right. you, already, you were already paid for that. Right. Now, that make sense? how to ask, I mean, again, not to say let's dumb it down, but let's dumb it down. You know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of little curious. You know, I don't expect you guys to recall this stuff or to even be in a situation where you personally would be negotiating. You know, your song for a major motion picture or television series like these are. But the idea is, how much is my song worth in a television show or a movie? It can be twenty thousand dollars pretty regularly. It can be a hundred thousand if it's a monster song. Big hit, big hit, you know, by a monster group or writer. So it varies. But this, you know, 20 for the more major stuff is what you're looking at. You go to a little indie film, you know, and we represent independent films. A lot of times what, what you, they'll pay you for, well, I'm going to take, I'm make a little indie film. I really want, like your song. We went to college together, you know. I, I love your band. Put it in there. I'm, I'm going to pay you nothing why we go around in, in festivals and try to find a distributor for this film. Nothing, okay? But... That's all I get paid nothing for is running around and trying to find a distribution for it. Once somebody takes it and we have distribution, then I'll pay you something. Now, what is that amount in the indie, in the indie film you know, world? Could, is, like I said, it could be zero to a few hundred to... Like a buyout would be... On a, on it's a, always a buyout. It's a buyout, so, say, on a, fi, a, a pretty a serious but small indie film, say, with a budget of, what, a couple million dollars? Oh, well, yeah. then that's different. 
That's yeah. different. Then, then, then it could be, you know, it still could be four or five hundred dollars, but it could be a thousand, fifteen hundred, two hundred, two thousand. Yeah. So, but a, I, you know, it's quarter tell. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I promise to take questions then, and I will take your question. But I think we should start talking about composer agreements. Are there, I assume there's people interested in composing for film, right? So we'll 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 catch up with that. And the question? Well, what you're talking about, I, I'm doing a, a song that this trailer asking you the song, and they don't have the money right now. They'll give me a few hundred bucks, but they're they're trying to get distribution. <coughs> you know, they're giving to GBC and all that kind of stuff. Can I do like a business contract and say give me two hundred bucks now, but yeah. picked up the distribution? Yep. Like, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So what you would say is, you know, I you know, this is I'm using. You can use this my piece for whatever, a couple hundred dollars, for uh, these particular purposes. So show it around to other people, maybe go to festivals, but then, and this is even common with major publishers, but, you know, if you get picked up, then this is what it's, it's going to cost. And, and as, a, as a producer, as a filmmaker, I should negotiate that number now before the film breaks out and then the number becomes much larger, right? I can always talk you down later, but I, you know, I don't want you talking me up, uh, you know, as a larger number later. Does um, that make that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about composer deals, but I want to let you know that these contracts that you do these deals on are like three pages. Okay, they're really short, and they're really they're like memos. The other thing is, if you dilly dally about uh, maybe maybe not, or if your lawyer or whomever over negotiates it, you're going to lose it because there are a zillion songs out there that are available. So the negotiating They'll go on to the next one. The right negotiating right. leverage, especially for you know folks in in the room here, generally would be pretty minimal. So you'd probably just go for it. But the terms, you know, the composition, the territory, you know, the world, the term, forever, the nature of the use. Uh, you know, five minutes during whatever part of the show. The license use, we went through that, I read that before, the non-exclusive, all media, buyout, whatever, license fee, 20 grand. The assignment, the, that uh, the person, the company that is, is licensing it from you can assign it to another company. And then there's some miscellaneous provisions, but that's basically, those are the main terms. Yeah. For television or for film, major or indie. Yeah, so composer agreements are a little more complicated because you're, you're acquiring services. So you're hiring a composer to, to, to do whatever you specify. So maybe it's all the music in the film, or maybe it's the themes and the beds. Um, you know, maybe it's that transitional music, the interstitial music. Uh, it's you know, whatever you agree to, uh, that's the services. And then you also want to be very specific about, as the filmmaker and as the uh, composer, you want to be specific about what are the deliverables. And, you know, is the composer there, you know, to cut the music in or is he turn it over to an editor, you know, the right to change the music to make it fit into the, into the film, sometimes controversial, usually, usually not. So the services and the deliverables, you know, it's important to describe those. Uh, and, and, then, and then the fees, you know, are once again all over the place. For a small independent film, it might be a few thousand dollars to compose the music for a small budget independent film. Um, for a more substantial, whether it's documentary or narrative, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for it to be twenty or thirty thousand dollars. So, depending on how much you pay, also dictates 
what rights you give up as a composer. So typically, I mean, in a kind of a standard composing agreement, just off-the-shelf generic composer agreement, the composer would give up the copyright. But in independent film, independent filmmakers would rather have a lower fee and not worry about owning the copyright. So in those situations, even though you're composing the music for the film, usually you end up owning the copyright in that in that in those compositions. But subject to a license of some, with so some you, you, yeah. So the filmmaker gets some some. It may, I might be exclusive for a period of time. Oftentimes, if I'm commission, if I'm the filmmaker, I'm commissioning you to write the music. I don't want my uh, that composition to show up in a you know used car commercial you know next week or whatever. So I, I might ask you to take a hold back. So you're holding back from exploiting it for a period of a few years or whatever. So, but you might say, well, that's fine, but I want it to be on my next album. And then that's you know, something we would work out. So the, speaking of albums, yeah, you know, there are right. soundtrack albums. Right. Now, for, for most, most of my work in independent film, uh, people always want to talk about the soundtrack album. And sometimes they even want to pay me to draft language. But the, these days, there's very little call for soundtrack albums based on films. Uh, sometimes we do them... Unless you're frozen. Well, but that's yeah. not my client. Right. That's Disney. Right. And Disney does the, the total buyout. Uh, they own the copyright. They own... They always... This is their policy. They own everything... They dictate terms. Yeah, always. they tell you to let it go, let it go. Right. <laughs> Be the copyright. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, in independent film, oftentimes we work out work out deals where you know the filmmaker doesn't own the copyright, and and truly, filmmakers are not in the music publishing business. Right. They're never going to keep track <laughs> of artistic. a few, you know, a few copyrights. You know, whereas the music, the the composer. That's the bread and butter. They know how to do it. They're, you know, they're on top of it. It's their business, and, and they, they have the right to... Uh, to uh, Bar's closing. Yeah. <laughs> Last call. Okay. Um, yeah, that means the are getting ready. The, uh, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about is that, that Dan is actually a filmmaker. He was his master's in filmmaking. He's actually made films, indie films. I'm a writer and a recording artist, and I'm a voting member of the Recording Academy, so, you know, our, we have, like, real-life experience with this ourselves. Um, and so, you know, we really were trying to convey to you, like, what the really important parts of these deals because they get, they get kind of funky in their detail. But, you know, at the level we're at now, especially in this economy, you usually are saying, put it in there, you know, unless it's the kind of scene. And we should talk a little bit about that. You do have some control about where your song will land or the movie that, you know, you get your, there's a description. Of, I, it's going to be in this scene. It's a, yeah, yeah, lots of times it's, not, it's a murder scene. Maybe you don't yeah. want it there because you don't want your song associated with or a sec, or a violent you know sex scene. You don't want it there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, I mean usually usually what you you do, maybe you, do. you don't have to, but uh, <laughs> lots of times you ask for the pages. You, you ask for the script pages that the music is intended to, to appear in. And uh, you don't get approval rights. You just get to say, yeah, you can use my song, or no. You don't get to say, change the word, or any of that sort of stuff. Or you're Martin Scorsese and your friend and all those dudes. Yeah. Right. Right. There's going to be lots of killing, but we're all buddies here. Yeah, if you get your song in a Martin Scorsese film, hello. 
<laughs> Good yeah. for you. Well, I Good had a, you. Uh, now one. I'm sorry. One yeah. other little detail, because this is important. You should re remember this one. You want to make sure that the contract says that you get a copy of the music cue sheet. So the music cue sheet is a sheet that lists all the songs in the film as they appear, usually with times when they appear in the film. When your, your song or songs are, is listed there, you want to turn that over to your performing rights organization, ASCAP or BMI. Huge, so that, so that they important track it. thing. And, uh, you and, won't get paid if you don't do this. Right, right. So if you remember nothing else from today, that's the deal. I'm going to repeat this because I just got through going to ASCAP. Unfortunately, we've got a great relationship with ASCAP. I pleaded one of our artists who, who had their uh, music uh, and our performance in this major campaign worldwide didn't submit the cue sheets. And we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, and, and, and they'll go back a quarter or two quarters. But not back to 2007. No. So we had to go through, okay. the, and, and, and then I, they said, you know, we, we, they gave us a little tutorial on the cue sheets, when you make the, when you make the submissions, et cetera. If you don't yeah. do it, you just won't get and, paid. And don't forget to get them. Sometimes yeah. the producer, especially the indies, they'll just like, yeah, yeah, I'll send you a cue sheet. And then... It, the film gets released, right. and they're really busy. They got festivals. They got they're negotiating contracts. You never get your cue sheet. You and, gotta you and, gotta call them up and uh, get it from them. And just to put an exclamation point, why this is the performance income? This is not the license. Yeah, it's where the dough is. This is not the license. This is the re, the performing and putting it out there time and time again. You know, on television or in the in uh, uh, even on online. Right? So this is uh, important. I think that works for TV commercials, too. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. even more, more so. Even more Much so. Much more so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, good yeah. point. You know, Chris this, would know. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about the synchronizations, you know, wherever the, the song is in sync with the visual image. So it's commercials, television, motion pictures, you know, streaming, right. online, broadcast. Okay, questions. Questions. I've got one here. Um, when you give the information to ASCAP or BMI or whatever, do they rely on the film like producer to give them information on when they're showing your music? No, I mean, like, if it's sh it, what happens is it gets, it gets played on television, for example, and, and depends on whether it's ASCAP or BMI, they have different methods of tracking usage, but the broadcaster's responsible for paying the ASCAP BMI fees. Yes, here. Uh, comp uh, compositions uh, for indie films or documentaries, uh, that's kind of what we're kind of dealing with right now. Um, well, do the buyout, does that count with those guys? That, no. Like you were saying, 20 to 30,000 for like a good, you know. As a composer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would be, a, especially in a documentary, that would be a large budget documentary. Right. Right. So, yeah, um, more, more, you know, more likely to be south of two, twenty thousand. Right, right. Um, but what I, uh, will the let's say it starts the distribution, they start pushing it out. So do you, if you have a buyout, yeah, no. that's that's the end of the story. Okay. So then, would you recommend trying to figure out something for distribution and not just if you have leverage? Yeah, I mean it's a leverage thing, and and I mean there's a number of things that account for leverage. One is your reputation, right? Um, another is how extensive the use of the music is, how important it is, um, you know. But it, it's a, it's about leverage. So let's say, you know, it used to be that uh, home video was an important market for independent film. It still is, but it's like going away the way CDs went away. But you could negotiate. You could say, 
okay, this is okay, we'll, get, we'll figure out this number for all these other markets, but when it comes to the sale of units, home video, then I want a per unit number. Right. Or, or maybe you say, I, I am, I'm giving you a low number so you can get your, your thing together. I understand you have a limited budget, I'll play along with that, but I want a piece of the back end. I want a piece of net revenues it's totally gambling there might not be no there'll be no yeah better get your money up front but in the in the indie world of course they may be way more flexible like you could say uh, it's going to cost this much for this use we get distributed this far then it's going to get more money you can step it you know and they, you might have more leverage in that arrangement than you are with, with, the, with the major, yeah. which is probably more yeah. realistic, you know, for the, yeah. the group we're talking about. I mean, about. maybe you say, you know, you know, it's ten thousand dollars, but you know, if you get uh, a distribution deal, then hit me up again, and here's the number or whatever. Um, I'm going to make one more substantive comment before we just turn over totally for questions, and that is remember that the numbers we were giving you are for the publishing side only. So that, that 20000 turns into 40000 because there's the master side. So in that case, the, the record company negotiated the master side at the front. We were self-published, so we said, we will follow your number. So they're, the big record company, from the master side, they got $20,000. The writer, that was the alpha part of the deal, is the writer that was 20000 And it was one writer, by the way. Yeah, question. What's your opinion of pitch houses? Pitch houses? Yeah. Uh, g- gambling. Total gambling. If you get someone approaches you about yeah. pitching uh, for fifty to twenty percent, and it's exclusive, uh, it's a gamble. Like Dan made a, a wisecrack earlier that you know publishing companies, you know that's what publishing companies they're supposed, are supposed to, do, to do, but they don't guarantee it and generally don't do a great job. The pitching, everybody's pitching everything. You know, part of the setup for this conversation was we see music money kind of going away, but licensing, we're still seeing good money. Everybody's trying to get in on it. There's pitching going on all the time. So, I mean, it's probably better if you're not a salesperson to have somebody pitch it. But frankly, if depending on the level of the pitching you're doing, you might be as better than, than a representative, you know. Again, artists like business people. Now you're a salesperson. Yeah, in the back. It's, yes. Uh, this isn't necessarily directed towards film, but say I wanted to record a version of a Britney Spears song and distribute that to somebody. What kind of licensing should somebody in that situation sign up for, or what kind of? Yeah. So, so you're you're. It's a sound recording only. No film. No film. Okay. And yeah. You 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 need you need a mechanical license. Okay. The good news is you can do it. Yeah, why you would they, cover they have Spears, to let I have you, no idea. They they have to let you uh, have the license, and it's yeah. whatever nine point one cents yeah. per copy that you sell. Okay. Or you, you can cover anybody's song as long as you pay the mechanical license. Yes, right here. So if you're just sort of like starting out, um, kind of like working with filmmakers or composing or whatever, um, at what point do you want to like? Switch like maybe if you're doing really small scale, like is there a point in time where you switch from like being just like okay, we'll just make kind of this regular contract to doing a really serious like maybe talking to somebody? I would say it depends on I, I, you know, there's two factors here. One is is there enough dough in the deal to pay for an attorney? The other is are you giving up rights, which you are, you know. Um, and how important that is that is that to you? I, I'm just going to say because I do this all the time. 
find somebody who knows what they're talking about to look at it. You know, whether it's a lawyer or a friend in the music band. I mean, I had this law student who had a, was a songwriter, got a, a deal for a song and, and, and said, well, I'm going to do this deal. It's really simple. You know, a law student thinks she's the smartest thing on her. She doesn't know squat. And I, I just sent it to me. I look at it, assigning 100% of the ownership to this, of the song to this company yeah, exclusively. See, this, this the problem. It's the like, problem. You're, just, you're going to sell your baby for life, yeah. for nothing. And if they, if they exploited it, you would get a percentage. It was like the, I said, here's my answer. How about no? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was really wrong. And, and usually, I mean, if they're really ridiculous like that, you can, they'll back down. They'll, change, they'll back off those. But in this business, you don't terms. ask, you don't get. And if you're going to get a, a one-sided deal thrown at you yeah. all the time. It's, oh, this is a fair deal. No, it just starts out inherently unfair. What's unfair is not negotiating. In it. And by the way, on your question, ma'am, you own the recording of that Britney Spears song. That copyright now, that recording, that's yours, okay? But yeah. Britney owns the, the musical composition copyright. Uh, um, we are working with a licensing company, and we never saw any cue sheets. And I don't know if that's what the company does. Do they also collect the performing rights royalties, or do you? ASCAP will. No, I know they, but do they communicate with ASCAP, or do you? See, that's... Ask you got to find out. Ask I think that we are the ones that have to look up our artists' like, yeah. ASCAP. Yeah. Don't ask the, us. Yeah, ask them. The, yeah, they're, they're, they'll give you your answer. Your licensing company, they should be doing that. If they're not, they're negligent. I'll say that out loud. Okay. Uh, the Kyushu submission, maybe I totally missed this, but is that really relevant in non-buyout situations? I mean, if you're doing... No, usually even in a buyout, you get the performing rights royalties. But that's a good question. Great question. When you buy out, you do often retain the right to, to the performance income. And right. that's why... The only, the only time you lose performance income is if the copyright is bought out. And so you don't have any of the copyright. And even in those situations, with, especially with respect to TV commercials, you can negotiate, depending on your clout, and they get the, the, you know, you wrote the song for the ad agency, they own the copyright, but you can add a term in the contract that allows you to keep the performing, or a portion of the performing rights royalties. Big deal point for commercials. Because yeah, they're, huge, meant huge to, to, they're meant to, to, to perform, to display. That's what they're made for. So I can say, we're going to give you a penny for your buyout, but you're going to get your full writer's uh, uh, performance. And that could add up to be a lot more money. Um, you mentioned earlier about the first time something plays on TV, the sync license doesn't kick in. Right. So uh, it's why? called ephemeral, okay. ephemeral recordings. So what they're saying, there is no recording. Even though, really, there, if there's no recording, that's not synced to, motion, to the moving image. So they're saying it's, it's not synced. There's no synchronization rights. Yeah, that's like if your band plays on Stephen Colbert's show or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it even applies to, it just doesn't make sense, but it even applies to a recording of that song the first time, like if it was played on the Colbert show. Right. If it's live television, like Saturday Night Live... There's no recording. There's no, it's live. But the, the, if they rerun it, then you, get, then you get the sync for that. And of course, you get, for both of them, you get performing rights royalties. Is that... Yeah. It's not really so logical. It's not actually live, but they say it's live, then... Yeah, I mean, oh, if, it's, if it's syndication, yeah. then it's never live. So if it's syndicated television, it's never live, even if it's the first time they show it. It's, it's, a, it's not easy to make the distinction sometimes. 
Um, what do you guys usually deal with timing-wise with television? Like when you sign these deals or whatever, how long do you feel it should usually take between? Like, is it really up in the air? You never know. They've no, wait, when you say how long is the song in the film, so like, or how long before you? How long before you even know it'll be? I have a story for you. Okay. We did we did a, a, a deal for a, a, a young band, thousand dollars that it. We did the full license for $1,000 buyout to be in this motion picture. Brooke Shields in it. Chris Christopherson is in it. You know, oh, hey, this is, looks like it's going to be a real deal, right? $1,000. Never heard of after. And I'll, we get a call like four, three years later. Hey, the movie that we licensed this thing is on Netflix. It never even went to theater, okay? It went to, but it went to Netflix. And it was like, okay, well, then the $1,000 came in you know, after it went to Netflix. And so it was like years later. You never know. You never know. We just been sitting on like seven months, like six of them, for like seven months, we just haven't seen anything from ASCAP or... Yeah, it's, that's really on you well, to, 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 yeah. to, to, you know, sure like dog it. Yeah. yeah, make sure it's out well, there. It's easier to search this stuff now. Right. You, okay. know, you know you did the license. You know that, you know, it's out there. You know, when is it... Kick in. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking of Netflix, how does that work? Uh, are there any performance royalties that you get from that? Yep. 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 Exactly. Now, is that through like Sound Exchange or mm-hmm. just ASCAP? Yeah. ASCAP collects ASCAP. it. Yeah. yeah. Now Sound Exchange is more about the recording. Yeah. Sound Exchange is all about the master side, collecting yep. from the performers yep. who actually perform the music on the master side. How do they understand that on Netflix then, like per stream? Because they just play it over and over, yeah. over yourself. Yeah, actually, in the digital world, they can track it pretty, pretty faithfully. You know, if nothing, I mean, obviously, you're hearing. I better get. If I'm a songwriter, I better register with one of the performing rights societies. You know, BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC. Got to do it. Otherwise, you're just SOL on that whole income stream. Same with um, uh, Sound Exchange. If you recorded something and it's recorded, even you know, for a record company of any side or yourself, and it's out there, you know, as a download or whatever, you know, it's available to be on Pandora, whatever else. You, you better sign up with Sound Exchange. We've had artists that didn't do it. I'm saying, I'm, I mean, big artists. You know, when it first started out, and I would say, I just, you just paid my legal fees, justified my legal fees. I just justified my legal fees for years by telling you, register right now. You're going to get real money. And, uh, and what you're seeing, of course, the life of the copyrights are long. The copyright life is 70 years from the, from the death of the author. That's like, that's estate planning. And now you're seeing, you know, the, the long tails we were talking about yesterday, the way to collect. You're collecting potentially these nickels and dimes and for, for decades. So it's important to get in the systems. Are we good? Oh, yeah. One more question. In January, I think uh, ASCAP did a did a um, music supervisor conference. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. See, we didn't even get to music supervisors. Yeah. That's I was another, there. I was, I was there. there. That kind of thing? I was there. there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What happened? I got a deal, man. <laughs> My songs in a movie. No, it. You know, it's. It, it depends who you are. If you're just an artist walking around, you know, plugging your stuff. Thanks, Chris. It, it might. Uh, it, you know, you might score something, but I, I think it's really where the buyers and the and the seller, like the record companies or the people or the publishers would go to meet the individuals who are make the decisions on what music's going to be in there. So, you know, unless you're a very you know well known or you know lucky artist, it's probably not the best use of your money. There's one other thing that we didn't talk about. It's not critical that we did or didn't, but uh, in addition to composing, sometimes 
you'll get hired to compose a single song for a film. So, and that's another sort of, it's, it's not a composer agreement uh, in the traditional sense of the word with, uh, you know, where you know, you're responsible for you know, the music bed and the interstitial and all that sort of stuff. It's like that you're just being hired to do one song. And some of these, all these same issues we talked about play into those contracts as well. And make sure you get credit. You know, whenever yep, you do yep, the thing, no matter yep. what, the it's paper, pretty customary. I mean, I want but, my name on the screen. But baby. it should be in the contract, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm just wondering about sort of getting your music in the radar for people to know about the film stuff. Yeah. See, this is the same question. Yeah. But I'm wondering, like, taxi is that worth doing? Is it crap? Gamble, 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 gamble. You know, I mean, it's better. It's it's probabilities, right? You ever take probabilities? You know, it's 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 more probable that you're going to get a placement if you have someone actually pitching it. Usually, because if they're connected, but they, it depends on how connected are they. You know, does your music fit what that that uh, um, uh, music supervisor is known to want to buy? You know, it's just I would have to say if it's a credible taxi is, but it's sort of a big community. But if it's a credible, accomplished house, it's more probably you're going to get a placement than if you're trying to do it yourself. Is it ever being clever contact music supervisors and done films? I'm sure. Yes, they have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, ad agencies place music too. You know, they also get pitched by songwriters. I I tell you, the whole business of how songs get selected is really arbitrary. I mean, I got to tell you, we all about relationships. Totally, we work with a lot of artists with a lot of placement agencies, and they get a big placement. It's like, hey, how did that happen? I think um, the music supervisors. Yeah, kid sister I walked his dog. really liked the song that you heard on YouTube. It's like way random, you know. So it, it, the, the issue there is just get your music out so people it can be discovered some way. Um, which is, you know, yesterday's conversation uh, about do you give your music away? You know, but at least make it accessible so people can find it. Um, well, I mean, a lot of the YouTube hits end up in, in syncs as well. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> your YouTube channel pays. You know, if you yeah. have your music, you're covering music on YouTube, and you got enough looks on that on that site, advertisers will start going there, and you advertise share. It's a monstrous new business. I've got a, a young artist who makes a, over a hundred grand a year on her, on her YouTube site, just covering songs, and she's just a kid with a guitar. Sings great, but it, but people go there. They want to hear her sing whatever. So it's uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, YouTube monetization. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you know, if you're a writer and you're a performer, that's a great way to go. You know, the theme here is we're talking about. Probably wrap it up here. These will be my, this will be my benediction, and you can have yours if you want one. Is that you know, in the area of making money so you can support yourself, licensing is but one source. Okay, and within licensing, your ability to make money is enhanced if you record and you write. You've got both copyrights working for you. It's enhanced. Better to be, a lot of writers do very well because they just write. They don't have to go out and tour and do all that stuff. But, you know, recording for licensing is more sed- can be more sedentary. And a lot of people do that. So that's what we're talking about. But in the greater scheme of what songwriters do and or the rec- recording artists do, there are a whole bunch of digital buckets out there. You know, a whole bunch of, yesterday Casey said there's 42 discrete income sources Casey, was that just for writing or for uh, mastering? Both copyrights. Um, you know, so the performing side, sound copyright side, 
and the composition songwriters. Okay, what is that? G give them the uh, site for yeah, that. Money.futureofmusic.org. It's part of a uh, broader study of artist revenue streams that we did. So we did a really deep dive into all of the different revenue streams available to both musicians and composers. Uh, it came from a thought exercise where we were just trying to figure out how many revenue streams yeah. are out there. Money.futureofmusic. I mean, we went pretty far into it. Like, the one thing we didn't count, we were like, wait, that's too far. It's when you open up a greeting card or something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. We thought it through pretty, pretty. So if you know okay, those 42 here's streams, there's your, there's your future. So here's my benediction. He's older, but he's funnier. I'm not older. <laughs> All right. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>